thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So Dr. Gillian Mooney is the Dean of Academic Development and Support at the Independent Institute of Education. And as a survival guide, she's really just started to think about what it is that university students, as they have to think about as they go into their first year, how do they get a good understanding of the tech resources that they'll be using to, to, to you know, continue their studies and to improve their studies as well? Dr. Mooney, thank you so much for joining us. Um, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, SAFM listeners. Thank you for having me. So if we look at um, how a student who comes into university really needs to think about the tech resources that they should master, I suppose the first thing one should ask is what are those technical resources that they have available to them? Well, there are quite a few. And then I think maybe the theme for the morning is for first-year students to understand that lecturers themselves are only a small part of the university experience. Um, most of the university experience is actually technology-enabled, and we have many different systems. So the first one that students might have encountered would be what we would call the student information system. So you might have applied online, if I could put it that way, um, to access the university system. So that's the first big platform, the student information system. Once you're there, um, a lot of your content is going to be delivered through what we would call a learning management system. Um, part of that technology will be anti-plagers and detection software. Of course, there's the information system or the library system. Um, you'll be asking for help or having your queries addressed to what we call a student query system. And then, of course, there'll be a range of what we would call virtual labs, um, different software that you might need depending on what you're studying um, to access or to deliver that content. So that's it overall. Um, and it sounds like quite a lot, but it really actually isn't that complicated. You know, we have been, been reading quite a bit about um, AI uh, chat GPT and how mm -hmm. it is going to impact on schools. And certainly with the launch of chat GPT 4, which took place in the last couple of days, I'm sure we're seeing a massive uh, conversation around the use of artificial intelligence, how it can mm -hmm. be used successfully as opposed to how it can be used uh, in many ways that may be a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the tension. Um, you know, students have always found ways to, to cheat, um, honestly. So that's, I think, a very small part of the compensation. If you look at basic stats, you're looking at about 5% of students. So for me, the, the inappropriate use of the cheating is, is such a small part of that conversation. What, what is a far more interesting part is for higher education itself to think about how to leverage, how to teach students um, to make the best use of, this, of something like ChatGPT. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to get better. There'll be different products. So really it's the responsibility of higher education institutions to think that through quite carefully. And, you know, there are a number of ways that, that we can do it. It's about um, getting students to use the platform and then interrogating that answer. Um, helping students to understand how to best make use of the platform. Um, for me, I'm quite excited, really. I think some of my colleagues are a little bit 
nervous, but that that's always the case. And and I do believe that what these kinds of AI platforms do is open up so many exciting opportunities, not only for lecturers, but for students as well. And we'd be doing our students a disservice if we didn't think very critically about how to support them in the, in the AI journey. So, Dr. Mooney, obviously what's critical uh, about t- young students that are coming into university mm. in their first year, they need to navigate that technical landscape. Mm. They may not have had the training and uh, the skills development with regards to tech tech skills, etc., throughout their um, primary education. What kind mm-hmm. of training do you provide? What kind of support do you provide in the universities and in tertiary education? I think you've, you've hit on a fundamental assumption um, that most universities do have, that you know what happens at school is completely different um, to what would then happen at university. So... You know, I think the biggest difference for students is understanding firstly that I think at school most of your learning occurs in a classroom with the teacher. Um, and the fundamental change in higher education is lectures are only about one third of the work at university and everything else happens on that platform. And I think universities are very well aware of that um, large, almost seismic shift for students. So typically what more responsible universities do is take that support very seriously and have a quite an extensive system in place. And this would manifest in the different areas of technology that students would have to use. So they would have to be obviously training on each platform as a start. And this would typically be done um, by separate support teams and of course by lecturers as well. but that's pivotal. So those orientation weeks are key. However, not everybody's going to get it in the first week because it's a lot. So really the key is explain to students in those orientations, in those first lectures, what is available, show you how to use it. And then every um, area of technology or every platform should have quite an extensive support team in place. Um, and I think often students are quite, nervous and scared and don't want to look like a fool in front of somebody at a university. And I think that's a mindset that really does need to shift. There are always people out there to to help you. Often on the platforms themselves, there'll be a ask for help or this is where you go for help. And it's really understanding where to find the help. That's also a key skill that students need to develop. Um, so one of our, our listeners, Terence, has said um, it's not easy to study and work, and particularly working with the technical mm. parts in my first year. But mm. what's even more difficult is the issue of load shedding, and and mm. I th- imagine that that for for you know, I mean, how, how are you as 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 uh, tertiary education dealing with that? Because that's obviously critical in terms of when we talk about technology, we're talking about power and energy as well. Mm-hmm. For sure, I think lurching is a, is a big part. It's here to stay. Um, we have to think about it. I think, you know, for students, the first the first thing to remember if you are a contact student, that your campus will have a generator that keeps you going. But that's not the question you asked me. Um, I think for the student who is working, um, working from home, 
um, or, or studying from home and as a distance student, it really is about careful planning. And, you know, in terms of your work, so it, it's often incredibly difficult. You know, I've worked all day, I come home and then there's four hours of load shedding, how am I going to get this done? The other thing is the schedule changes so you can plan. Um, most universities have fairly flexible um uh, systems in place in terms of we're not going to say you have to write this test at this hour. What would happen would be um, we'll open up the test for the whole day and once you log on, you have an hour to do it. So again, technology helps us around that. And I think we're in a difficult situation because the reality is load shedding is not going anywhere. And, and I've given you an example of how we are thinking about working around um, that kind of load shedding, which in summary is really extending, thinking of ways to to extend time so that if students lose, say, four hours, as an example, they're not disadvantaged um, in any way. And, uh, and the, the challenges in, in the, the distance space are particularly acute and I think do require students themselves to think about, well, what are my hours at work? Um, what are my hours at home? Um, what's happening with load shedding at home? Um, and, and really, you know, try to get a schedule going, which is difficult, but I think it's something that students themselves also do have to think about and plan for. Um, you know, and I think what helps there is understanding that University work requires consistency. Um, I think a lot of the time, and life is busy, um, the university studies get put on the back burner. But a helpful hint, and it's a discipline really, is that every day, even if it is just half an hour, be do, do something um, related to your university study, even if you are tired and exhausted. Okay. I'm going to put you. I'm going to ask you to pause. We do have to go to a break, and uh, mm-hmm. at the back of the break, we'll just come back to closing off on the interview sure. as well. Thank you very much. The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. Michelle Constant on SAFM. We're just looking at how you navigate your university's tech landscape as a first-year survival guide, talking to Dr. Gillian Mooney, who is a Dean of Academic Development and Support at the Independent Institute of Education. I suppose, Dr. Mooney, you know, I think about if you are uh, moving into a new job or, for example, if if you become a board member on a board, there's something called induction. So they spend the day uh, explaining a whole lot of information that you may not know about to you as you move forward in order for you to really succeed at the work that you do. Do you have a, 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 a series of induction processes for students mm-hmm. who are moving into tertiary education? I suppose like a kind of bridging process? For sure. So obviously orientation is key. Um, most universities have a, almost a big bang orientation at the start and then drip feed uh, throughout the first semester. So there'll be catch-up classes or catch-up information um, and also just-in-time information. So your first essay is due. How do you use the um, anti-plagiarism detection software? Students really need to keep an eye out for 
those kinds of, first of all, go to the orientation and make sure that you've got those drip-fed orientation as you go through the process of your first semester. Fantastic. Dr. Gillian Mooney is the Dean of the Academic Development and Support at the Independent Institute of Education, the IIE.